0: The securely attached people tend to move towards others in relationships. So if there's conflict, they even move towards others. If there's some of those, um, high level, what we'd call uncomfortable emotions like anger or sadness or disappointment tend to, tend to move towards our spouse with those feelings. Mm -hmm. Conflict isn't necessarily a scary thing. That doesn't mean securely attached couples don't have conflict. All all couples have conflict. Yeah. Ever since the fall. You know, Adam and Eve, we kind of see before the garden, or before the fall, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of in this perfect unity. And then after the fall, what do they do? They, they move away from each other.
1: Welcome to the Faithful and True Podcast. Today we're going to bring you the third and final installment of a three-part series on attachment styles with our host, Dr. Mark Laser, and Jim Farm, the clinical director at Faithful and True. We hope that this three-part series has been a meaningful and beneficial series for you. We'd also like to invite you to uh, consider coming to our Men's Journey workshop All the information on those workshops are available at faithfulandtrue.com. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser and Jim Farm.
2: Today we're continuing uh, our series that we've been doing on attachment theory, and our our guest has been one of our therapists here at Faithful and True, Jim Farm. Jim, welcome again. Yeah, thank you for having me. I think this will be the conclusion of our series because we're going to talk about the last of the four attachment styles and the third of the unhealthy ones and then uh, we want to conclude by talking about the healthy ones secure so uh, we want to give the um, listeners some ideas about how they might move in that direction uh, of secure attachment that is
0: yeah i'm excited to to get to that part of it as well so we have the what are we working towards? What's, what's the vision that we're, we're looking at?
2: The vision, that would be it. Vision yes. is
1: a big word for us around here. We yes. like that. Yes.
2: Vision today. Yeah, exactly. So uh, can you just briefly review the two that we talked about last week? Uh, we know there's secure attachment. We're going to get to that at the end. And last week we talked about the avoidant attachment and the ambivalent or anxious attachment. Do you want to just give us a real quick review of that?
0: Yeah, uh, avoidant attachment. So bo- attachment has to do with just in review is how we relate to those who are closest to us. So we're talking about parent-child relationships, spouse, spousal relationships, and so we have this internal working or cognitive beliefs about you know ourselves and others and relationships. And so the avoidant attachment style relationship really comes about in regards to I have a overinflated sense of self in regards to meeting my own needs, um, but on the flip side, I I don't trust others will be there for me mm-hmm. or meet my needs. Right. Yeah. Um, the ambivalent style is almost the opposite in the mm-hmm. sense that um, there's an underemphasis upon ourselves to get our own needs met or our capability of doing that, but there's an overemphasis upon the person that we're closest to.
2: Mm-hmm. It could be the spouse in a lot yeah. of cases, but it might be a friend or child, a boss or whoever. Yeah.
0: That's right. And so the avoidant attachment, what that would kind of look like is we we tend to suppress our emotions and our needs tend to move away from others in relationship or mm-hmm. in the ambivalent attachment we tend to if you will overly attach or we we over you know get preoccupied with the other person in relationship and and tend to move towards them in a more of a critical or demanding way anxious uh, way in an anxious way and that's yeah. re- that's really what's going on internally but from the outside mm-hmm. it looks like it's almost angry or
2: upset angry or how could you possibly not pay attention to me or you know those kinds of things so, that's right yeah
0: and so it's very much what we would call protest behavior i'm one connection but it feels like we're not having that and so
2: right yeah okay it's uh the closest one to what has historically in the recovery field been called uh uh codependency too i think uh the anxious ambivalent attachment.
0: Uh. That's right, that's right, because the codependency, we're seeking that approval of others mm-hmm. and that acceptance for others, but mm-hmm. there's a part of ourself that we don't feel safe enough or vulnerable enough to be able to share, so we don't... Mm-hmm. Um, we yeah. go to great lengths to get that approval.
2: Well, I think one of the... I mean, we don't you know, particularly believe in everybody kind of self-diagnosing based on these basic descriptions that they're doing. Uh, I think if you are interested in this and you feel like, you know, you would like to get an evaluation and uh, so forth, uh, it would be helpful to see a therapist who uh, is familiar with attachment theory. And there are some uh, verbal ways to assess this. And then I think lately there's been some psychometric tests that, that are out there also, don't you think? I, I, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. there's some assessment tests. I know some of them are, have been validated and others aren't, so you have to be careful. You can find some online. Um, So you have to be careful about which ones you take.
2: Yeah, don't go to one of those popular medical journals like the uh, Reader's Digest uh, (laughs) or Ladies Home Medical Journal, uh, that kind of thing. All right. So uh, today we want to focus uh, just in this first part on uh, the fourth attachment, uh, the third of the unhealthy ones, which I think is really the most serious of them um, and we generally call it disorganized or confused. So uh, go ahead and give us a description of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of sad to a certain degree. You know, my heart uh, feels for people that come from this attachment style because oftentimes they come back from, come from environments in which the parenting was inconsistent and oftentimes abusive at times. Yeah. And so the kids are put in this position where they truly have needs, and so our natural instinct is to move towards our parents with those needs, but oftentimes it's the parents that are inflicting the pain to begin with. So we're put in this position with this great need and our natural tendency to go towards the person that's going to provide that safety and security, but they're the ones causing the harm.
2: You know, I was just thinking that there's, uh, as we're recording this today, there's a a very powerful Christian movie out there that I think really illustrates this, and it's called uh, I Can Only Imagine. Uh, It's about the author of the song, I can only imagine, <laughs> strangely <laughs> enough, and who was profoundly abused by his father uh, emotionally and physically growing up. And uh, the love of his life, he's known since he was in grade school. Uh, have you seen the movie about I haven't yet. I uh, haven't yet. Well, you know, they are close and date and, you know, kind of more or less fallen adult type of love. But there's a point in the movie where he uh, pushes her away ostensibly to go off to you know pursue his uh, career but you know in, in the midst of this great love that they have it's just it's just like she is shocked it's like um, he says you know we're probably not going any place or you know I need to pursue my career I forget all what he said but he pushes her away and I um, given his given how the movie portrays his abuse it makes all the sense in the world that that he would want to have their relationship at one level but then not be able to trust it at another level so uh, I don't want to do a, uh, Well, here's a spoiler alert um, the movie does have a happy ending in terms of that relationship but
0: yeah yeah that's exactly what we're talking about in terms of disorganized if we go back to you know the, the core beliefs of of you know the disorganized attachment it's it's a negative sense of self in other words I don't feel capable or worthy of getting my needs met. And likewise, I don't really perceive the other person as willing or capable of meeting my needs as well. So we're put in that position of going towards someone but then fearing their response and then backing away in an angrily way.
2: Doing things uh, to sabotage the relationship. That's right. uh, When I think about working with some of the couples here, and, and one of the spouses has this disorganized attachment, they can always say words that they want to be more intimate and close. But then when it gets to demonstrating that or you know practicing that they're just they they're just not good at doing it right and that's something then that the the other spouse who may have the anxious or ambivalent attachment is uh, going to be kind of pushing in that direction and the more she she or he pushes in that direction the more the uh disorganized attachment kind of pushes it away that's right and then we sit in counseling sessions and battle about this so we need to get eventually to this idea that there is a secure attachment and we all need to have a vision for for going in that direction yeah
0: yeah yeah one of the things that might be helpful for some folks that have gone through the disorganized attachment is maybe thinking about doing some trauma work
2: Um, exactly yeah exactly um, it's
0: very helpful i know there's things out there now that we know that are really helpful with that. I know Elizabeth Griffin that does some work here and Susie both do EMDR which is helpful for folks that have been through trauma and there's other strategies as well that are helpful in regards to that.
2: Yeah it has a little clinical code here. Uh, EMDR some of you know is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing but it's a very well uh, researched and demonstrated approach that can take you back to early life events and help you reprocess them in your brain and put them in different categories and um, kind of heal that trauma. Basically, generally what you're saying is that there there are therapists and there are intensive programs out there in the, in the country too that can really help you with this trauma. I think the worst thing to do is to rehearse the trauma over and over and over and over again with a, with a therapist because that, that just kind of reinforces uh, the trauma. So yeah, if you're dealing with this one, by all means, uh, you know, get aggressive or proactive on your own behalf and Get some therapy around the trauma.
0: That's right. It's about re-experiencing those experiences differently. It's not going through the experiences the same way you did the first time.
2: That's right. And one of our therapists here does theophastic, which is kind of a funky uh, thing. Where I say funky, it's probably
1: <laughs> there. Uh, you go again with uh, your with your technical terms.
2: Te- technical terms. Uh, it basically is the reframing it by actually using prayer to uh, uh, bring Christ into the room and have Christ remind us of what is really true about us. So that's that's the reframe. Well, you all along have been describing kind of the core beliefs behind these attachments. So, uh, you know, that negative sense of self or positive, overly positive sense of self, negative sense of others. That I, The disorganized, by the way, which we just finished with, as a negative sense of self and a negative sense of others. That's right. right. So, that's right. So would it make sense that the secure has a positive sense of self and a positive sense of others. That's exactly right. I'm leading you into it now. Take over. So
0: just inherently trust others and trust ourselves. And that usually comes from an upbringing in which uh, we had parents that were responsive to us for the most part. I mean, it's not perfect, but consistently. Yeah, um, no
2: no parent is. That's
0: right. And so we learn over time that we are... Capable to meet meeting our needs and asking for those needs to be met, and the, the people that are closest to us are capable and willing to meet those needs. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the secure t- securely attached people tend to move towards others in relationships. So, if there's conflict, they even mo- move towards others. If there's some of those um, high level, what we would call uncomfortable emotions like anger or sadness or disappointment, tend to tend to move towards our spouse with those feelings. Mm-hmm. Conflict isn't necessarily a scary thing. That doesn't mean securely co- attached couples don't have conflict. All, all right, couples have right. conflict. Yeah. Um, I always talk about, I know with my couples, that ever since the fall, you know, Adam and Eve, we kind of see before the garden, or before the fall, excuse me, mm-hmm. and they're kind of in this perfect unity. And then after the fall, what do they do? They, they move away from each other.
2: The first spousal blame happens. <laughs> that's right. right. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's
0: exactly what happened. Then, then they turn against uh-huh. each other. So we see this turning away and turning against right? You know, mm-hmm. really early on. And, and I think every couple inherits that from, from that point on.
2: Well, that's kind of an interesting theological. That's, that's really part of our human nature, isn't it? That that's right. fallen nature, we sometimes call it. That's exactly but right. But that was the first time Adam blamed Eve for something. And he was actually right in a way. <laughs> oh, no, I'm now, as, now as I'm we have trouble. three men here looking yeah. at each other. I, I'm glad not Marlo
0: a, and Debbie and Cindy are not here right now.
2: <laughs> well, who took the first bite? Let me just put it that way. So
0: <laughs> That's right. And so, the, I mean, that's a key extin- uh, uh, identification. Yeah. That's right. That, you know, some couples, I had a couple that not too long ago, a very young couple, actually, and one, one of the, one of the, Wives, it, it was really upset because she came kind of into the marriage that, well, there shouldn't be conflict. Things should, should you know.
2: That was her expectation. That was her that expectation. Fact, yeah.
0: And so it was a, actually a, a great relief to her to, to realize that, you know, conflict is actually a pretty good thing for, mm-hmm. for a, a marriage. And so the key is, is do we stay connected during that conflict?
2: Mm-hmm. And are we able to have uh, a safe conversations about it in which we own our own part of that conflict as opposed to blaming just blaming the other person for the conflict
0: that's right and so we have some really healthy tools that help us to start to build that accessibility that responsiveness that we're looking for in terms of secure attachment Mm -hmm. um just you know models like fanos that we're aware of i think you've introduced that on the show before Mm -hmm. um the iceberg model is another great yeah. mm-hmm. um, tool that we use with couples to help them to build the, you know, have safe conversations about things.
2: We've done shows on all of that. I think in the past, so look yeah. at the archives if yeah. you want to refresh yourself on that.
0: And yeah. so one of the key things we talk about as well is, um, I know I've heard Debbie say that this quite a bit is the problem is never the problem. Yeah right that's right and so a lot of couples are fighting over what they think is the problem but really it's something much deeper internally a need Mm -hmm. um, an expectation a perception and we're
2: bringing one of those unhealthy attachments to the behavioral problem uh that's right so uh secure attachment talk a minute about this i think it starts with um trusting god i think there's a a a follow-up book to uh the original book on attachments at least in the christian community called god attachments um, but i think it begins with trusting god and then but secondly i think it begins with trusting ourselves you know that's that positive sense of self and then then i think thirdly uh, when we trust god trust ourselves then it's easier to trust others
0: that's right that's right it does start with that since we you know once we experience that acceptance that unconditional acceptance of and love from God then it allows us to be able to start, you know, recognizing, you know, taking responsibility for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that we can move into our relationships vulnerable and transparent. Mm-hmm. Um when we when when we're not able to do that we, we kinda of betray ourselves to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um you know we hold back part of ourselves and thus we're not fully known by our spouse.
2: Well that's a common complaint around here that uh I don't know him or so forth and because he's he never shares. He never Uh, shares with me his emotions or whatever yeah
0: yeah yeah and so you know it's one of the things we start to to talk with both you know the husband and the wife that come here is you know first of all being able to be aware of what you're feeling and then being able to start to express that and oftentimes we start to teach that in a lot of the groups that we have here as well
2: sure so uh let's say you know some of the listeners out there they really want to work on this you know trying to you know develop a vision of secure attachment and get there what would be some of our recommendations do you think for them to pursue so okay we need to give people a sense of uh, hope and direction i think uh, after all this stuff that we've talked about so
0: yeah yeah well i i think it starts starts first you know maybe starting to do some individual work to start to understand you know what have i learned in regards to you know how i think about myself how i think about others do i trust others do i Do I trust myself? So starting to do some individual work, understand the beliefs I've developed over time. And then there's always an element of risk. There's always an element of risk in regards to the the next step is Mm -hmm. once I start to gain that awareness, now I have to be willing to have the courage to start to be vulnerable with with others around Other people,
2: yeah. Like vulnerable enough to uh, uh, go to a workshop even, or uh, go to a group. I was talking to a guy just about that yesterday and he said, I just don't like groups. I have panic attacks. And so I finally worked out with him that he's going to come to the workshop eventually and we'll sit him on the closest chair to the door. And, you know, he needs to take enough risk at least to walk into the room.
0: That's right. And, and, and that's kind of the, that's kind of the, some of the, some of the issue right there is oftentimes we have to put ourselves in the position that we fear the most in order to start experiencing it differently if we continue to avoid it, it's, it's not going to change. So in other words, yeah. you know, in secure attachment, if, you know, I, I come to my marriage with an anxious attachment and then I just avoid every situation that would create anxiety for me, mm-hmm. it's never going to change. That's right. So I have to put myself in the, that position and then have what we kind of call a corrective experience.
2: Now, there's a whole bunch of people listening right now who are <laughs> uh, kind of angry with you about this idea of risk. Well, I, let me just say what I think. I, I think this is where community uh, needs to support you, uh, knowing that, of course, you're anxious about it. And, uh, you know, uh, particularly when it comes to, like, going to a group, maybe you might arrange to meet somebody uh, outside a group who will walk in there with you for the first time, that kind of thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. I I think that's extremely helpful that we have a, you know, a a face that knows us, you know, that that can walk. I mean, that's the whole thing with attachment. Do we... Do we feel secure? Can we go through something that's yeah. stressful and have a sense that you know someone's there with us?
2: Risk and patience both are not the favorite words of uh, uh, our addiction community.
0: No, right? and I've brought it up twice now in the last two weeks. Well, both words.
2: I'm saying you're you're triggering our audience. That could be the trigger of the week. The, <laughs> yes. the word risk, I guess. But uh, so we're saying that uh, individual work. You said that earlier. Trauma work, if you're particularly that disorganized detachment. Uh, individual work uh, about you know the, you know if you got neglected or abandoned and you have that avoidant attachment you still need to do some work on that uh, same thing with uh, the ambivalent anxious that uh, you know you probably had a, a helicopter mom I I think that's a situation in which we also see a lot of uh, emotional incest uh, uh, going on so you still need to do some individual work on that. Uh, Participation in some form of community, whether it's a counseling group, a 12-step group. uh, uh, I would say, and this is where I get myself in trouble, uh, you need to be in a support group where people are willing to be vulnerable. So it's generally not, I I don't know that I've ever seen a Bible study group that's built to get vulnerable uh, and take the kind of risk we're talking about. So it needs to be more of a support group, a counseling group, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Because um, if you're if you're not being vulnerable, you're 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 holding back part of yourself, and so there's always that insecurity then. Yeah, you know, so it's reinforcing the insecurity rather than allowing for these secure, you know, attachment moments to happen for for a person.
2: Yeah, and uh, I think one of the pl- you do a lot of marriage counseling, obviously, and I think one of the places couples need to start is to uh, give themselves a break. Uh, by that, I mean. Um, they came by these attachments the unhealthy ones uh, quite naturally and it's not their fault it you know wasn't something they decided to do uh, uh, so <clears throat> if they've been battling for years uh, you know 20 30 years we had a couple yesterday 25 plus years uh, there needs to be some level of of um, grace to yourself and uh, uh, forgiveness of yourself I think and forgiveness of your spouse and i think that's a place that some of our couples are still stuck you know they they haven't spiritually gotten to that place of uh, either one of those being able to forgive yourself and they still have shame or uh, forgiving your spouse and you still have blame so forgiveness uh, and grace can be an essential part of moving towards secure attachment i guess is what i'm trying to say
0: yeah yeah Uh, you know securely attached couples naturally do that you know when they when they hurt each other which they will all couples do they they just instinctively move to
2: repair. Gottman would say they
0: they move to repair quickly. I know? love that.
2: I love that statement. Yeah, move to repair. That's a tweetable moment. Yeah. Uh, we I'm being Oprah now. That's a tweetable <laughs> moment. So anybody who has access to the tweet, Randy, uh, should probably um, tweet that one out.
0: Yeah.
1: You haven't been watching Oprah lately. You don't know. Uh, yes. Some of us have a job and, uh, and 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 don't get to watch TV all afternoon. Come this on, is, this is a Sunday show. That Oprah oh, is had. it a Sunday show? Oh, I may
2: be okay. getting myself in trouble because uh, Oprah might be interpreted as a little bit more on the humanistic side of things, but um, she does have some interesting guests, including some Christian guests. So, and she, and someone says something that's really poignant. She just says, "That's a tweetable moment."
1: So, well, okay, I'll I'll talk to the powers that be about tweeting out that uh, that very fine thought. I think you have enough power right in this room. <laughs> I think, I think I I'm was, telling you how to do it. I thought I thought that was obvious. Uh, there you go. <laughs> well, gentlemen, uh, we've come to that point then, where this series is has uh, reached its end, and as usual, we'd like some uh, some sort of uh, summation, some sort of. Frosting on the cake, and uh, Jim, how would you wrap up this attachment theories uh, series?
0: Yeah, I think you know to say that that we do need each other. We we do need someone. You know we're we weren't, we weren't built to, to go through this world alone, and so we have it all built in internally for us to to move towards others, and so oftentimes the the people that we're closest to, you know, we've learned you know either from our experience that. You know, they're not approachable. We can't move towards them or we have to move against them. So the the key is is to recognize we we truly do
1: need someone and we need to move towards them, not away from them or move against them. Thanks again for listening today to the Faithful and True podcast. This has been the third and final installment of the three-part series on Attachment Styles with Dr. Mark Laser and Jim Farm. We hope that uh, this series has been meaningful and beneficial to you and we invite you to visit faithfulandtrue.com where you'll find many resources and information that will be of interest to you if you're a man that's struggling with sexual addiction or pornography addiction we invite you to take a look at the men's journey workshop all the information a brief video on the most frequently asked questions that men have about the workshop that's all available at faithfulandtrue.com. Uh, until we join you again next week, we hope that this coming week for you will be a week full of many blessings and with great vision.